Somebody give him a shout of praise in this place. I dare you to praise him like the mountain's already gone. I dare you to praise him like everything standing in your way has already been moved in this place. Shout yeah! Shout yeah! Shout yeah! Clap your hands, all you people! Come on, clap your hands! Whoa! High five at least eight people on the way to your seat. Uh, tell them ain't no mountain high enough. I think that's an old apostolic song. Tell them ain't no valley low enough to keep me from the blessing of God in my life. Amen, somebody? If you believe that, clap your hands one more time and give God a great praise in this house. You can be seated for just a few moments. Is there anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Woo! No better way to start off the new year than to be right here in the house of the Lord. I want to take a brief opportunity to say what a privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests that are here with us this morning. Right, church, would you help me? I need your hands and I need your voice to help me make some crazy noise. Come on, let's let all of our guests know how much we love and appreciate them today. We are so excited to have you in the house of the Lord. If you are here for the very first time this morning, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you came in the door that looks something like this up on the screen. If you're here for the first time and you did not receive one of those, if you would just slip your hand in the air, one of our staff members will bring one of those to you very quickly. But this is simply an invitation for you to join us in our VIP lounge immediately following the service. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation that you would come and spend your morning worshiping with us here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Amen, church? We have a little policy around here, and, and it's really important that our guests know the policy and I know it's rude to impose policies on your guest but our po the only policy that we want to make sure you know about this morning is our policy that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door after that you're just at home with us amen somebody would you turn around 360 degrees where you're sitting touch everybody around you and just tell them welcome home this morning Come on, they're in front of you, behind you, to your left. Tell them, just tell them, welcome home. Welcome home. We are so grateful that you're here this morning. It is so good to look up this morning and, and see Brother Leon and Sister Shirlene with us. Again in the house of the Lord today and the precious little angel that God has blessed them with. Would you help me put your hands together? Welcome them home this morning. So glad they're in the house of the Lord with us today and God is doing so many amazing things how many of you were blessed by what God did here on Friday night come on is there anybody ready to go through the open door this morning I'm telling you if you missed out you missed out we had an amazing time in the Holy Ghost, and when it was all said and done, uh, well, actually, before the service ever began, uh, Evangelina was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought to rejoice over that right now. And uh, 
God did some absolutely incredible things, and we're so grateful for that. And uh, man, Brother Stewart got to exhorting for the offer. I thought, man, he about to just go ahead and start preaching. Whoa! You can't open no door with a closed hand. And uh, he said, he said, you can just start writing checks, and the money ain't even in the bank yet because God's got good credit. Sister Ramirez, we used to have a saying in the hood. When somebody was a big mouth, we'd say, your mouth is writing checks that your hands can't cash. But there ain't a check big enough for you to write that God doesn't have the resources to cash. As a matter of fact, my Bible tells me that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you are able to ask or to think. Is there anybody that believes that this morning? Come on, do you believe that this morning? And if you believe it, are you ready for God to do it in your life this year? Amen. Amen. I want us to take just a moment to, to pray this morning. As we enter this brand new year, God is not only doing amazing things here in the city of Fort Myers and in our area and region, uh, but we are experiencing uh, a global impact and impetus of what God is doing through this house. And uh, how many of you have been keeping up and understand that, that we have had unprecedented revival in our churches in the country of Haiti? Anybody grateful for that? And uh, L'Eglise Wurzla, which is the rock church in, in Haitian Creole, and uh, they are experiencing tremendous revival. And I am believing God to lay his hand upon them in a way that they have never experienced before. And uh, we're, we're going to stand and pray in just a moment. And I want us to pray for uh, Pastor and Sister Senate who are doing such an incredible job leading the charge in the country of Haiti on behalf of this house. And uh, I also, how many of you have been praying about the work of God in Africa that we are connected to? Anybody been praying about that? I just received word that we are, uh, we are getting ready to launch the Rock Church of Uganda in the next couple of months. Anybody excited about that beside me? Anybody excited about the Rock Church of Uganda? And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, just keep praying. God is, is working and working, and there are some amazing things happening. And uh, I want you to remember to pray specifically uh, for a young man, uh, Brother Jeffrey Wyaberry, who is doing his best to shoulder the mantle of anointing that his father carried. And, uh, of course, we understand that we lost uh, Bishop Wyaberry uh, not too long ago. And God is using this occasion to birth a brand new thing in the country of Africa. Would you stand with me all across this house? I, I feel like it would just behoove us this morning to take a moment and pray, uh, not only for what God is doing here, but for what God is doing through this church around the country around our globe would you lift your hands and while your hands are lifted would you lift your voice with me and i want us to begin to pray right now for the churches that are there in the country of haiti and in uganda africa i want us to begin to pray for pastor and sister senate and i want us to begin to pray for brother jeffrey wyaberry this morning would you help me lift your voice church right now come on prayer has a voice 
and prayer has a sound. Would you lift up your voice with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare your glory over these countries, God. And as we step into a brand new year of the open door, God, we are believing you, Jesus, for revival like we have never seen it in these countries. God, that chains would be broken, that bands would be loosed. God, that doors would be open that no man can shut, God. Oh, would you do it in a way, God, that we have to lift our hands and say to God, be the glory for the great things that he has done. God, we pray that you would be lifted and that your enemies would be scattered, Jesus. Whoa, let end time revival and fire begin to break out in a way that it has never happened, God. In every one of these churches, I pray for every one of our pastors in the country of Haiti right now, God. Let fresh vision and anointing flow over them, God, as they lead their congregations, Jesus, into the vision that you've given them. God, I pray right now for Brother Jeffrey Wyberry, God, and the work that you're doing in this young man, God. You said that you would complete the work that you have begun and I'm believing you even right now as we call upon your name let there be a divine interruption, God, wherever he is, uh, wherever he's standing. If he's asleep, wake him up, God, and let him know uh, that your hand is upon him, God, uh, that destiny is upon him, God. Uh, Lord, we're believing you for this service this morning, God. Uh, we know that we are here for an appointed time in this place. Uh, we're not here by happenstance. Uh, God, we pray that you would open the windows of heaven uh, and pour out your spirit across this sanctuary we give you the praise we give you the glory and we give you all of the honor in the name of Jesus we pray somebody help me give God a shout of praise in this house come on somebody help me give God a shout of praise remain standing if you would this morning as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this house it is a, uh, an extreme privilege this morning to have with us uh, from around the country, but via uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, evangelist Greg Godwin. Would you help me give him a great big Rock Church welcome this morning? Brother Godwin, how many years have you been evangelizing? He has been evangelizing 31 years. Amen. That means that you got started in about 1991. 1991 was the year that God rescued me from the streets as a 14-year-old boy. I can remember the ministry of this man from the time I've ever been in church. And uh, over the years, I've been to many services and different places and conferences where the Lord used him in a powerful way. And Back then, never in a million years would I have imagined a moment like this. And uh, in very recent times, the Lord has allowed us uh, to connect uh, in a way that we've not connected before. And I believe that there is a divine orchestration of the Holy Ghost in this man being in this place at this time. And I believe that God is about to unleash something so powerful that we cannot comprehend what God is about to do in this house. Is there anybody that understands the words that are coming out of my mouth this morning? 
Did you come with expectation in your spirit this morning? Did you come hungry for a move of God in this place? Then one more time, would you lift up your hands and lift up your voice? And let's give God a thanksgiving praise. As evangelists, Greg Godwin comes to deliver the word of the Lord. We love you. Well, turn around and high-five somebody and tell them the devil's in trouble. High-five somebody around you and tell them the devil's in trouble. Amen. Now tell them because I made it to the house of God. Amen. The devil's in trouble because we're in church today. Amen. Amen. Let me say it's so good to be with you. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is to see the miracle of the church in Fort Myers, Florida. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful miracle is happening. And uh, amen. By all growth terms, amen. The church is two-thirds full, at least the bottom floor. So by all growth information, we've got to add seats in the back. And of course, we can always put people in the balcony. But amen. Look at somebody say it's adding seats time. Adding seats time because we are beyond, beyond comfortable on the floor. Amen. Almost packed. Amen. And we're excited for you. We give honor to your bishop and his wife. How many of you love the Williams? Aren't they just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people? And their sons. Amen. Good to see you all. And uh, it's just an honor to be here. And we do feel it's the will of God and the Holy Ghost for us to be here. And uh, amen. We're just excited. If you got your Bibles, let's turn to two passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse 17. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17, and Revelations 1 and verse 1. We'll begin in Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and that they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Would you tell that to somebody around you? The time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and made us kings and priests unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. All kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. First Thessalonians 4 and 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. 
Tell somebody else around you, Jesus is coming. Amen. The Lord bless you. Amen. We want to preach to you today a little bit from this text. Amen. Lord bless you and you may be seated. From Genesis to Revelation, you'll find 66 books in the Bible. Before the 12th century, they were not divided into chapters. There are 783,137 words. 8,674 of them are Hebrew words. 5,624 are Greek words. 12,143 different English words. 3,116,480 letter characters. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. It holds 31,102 verses. The shortest verse in the Bible is John 11:35. Jesus wept. The longest verse in the Bible is in the book of Esther and it is 78 words long. 3,294 questions in the Bible. 6,468 commands. 1,260 promises. The middle chapter is Psalms 117. The middle verse of the Bible is Psalms 103, verse 2. The Bible has over 8,000 predictions or prophecies in them. It was established since 1812, or since 1812, there have been 5 billion Bibles printed. Tell somebody, 5 billion. Which country do you think it is that prints the most Bibles? It's China. China. To avoid being political, I won't run down that road, but amen, just tell somebody it's China. 168,000 Bibles are sold every day in the United States of America. 168,000 Bibles are sold every day in the United States of America. It has been translated into over 1,200 languages. It has 40 writers, but it only has one author. Come on, tell somebody, God is the author of his word. Hallelujah. Our text comes from the final book. It is the apocalypse, the unveiling, the uncovering, the manifestation, and the presentation of Jesus Christ. It is a book in which everything in Scripture finds an echo and a reverberation. It delineates the consummation of the age. It is the great goal toward which all of the plans and purposes of God in history reach. It touches things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. It speaks of Jesus Christ. It speaks of angels and demons. It speaks of war in heaven. It speaks of war at Armageddon on this earth. It speaks of the judgments of God, the pouring out of the bowls and the vials of wrath, the sounding of the trumpets, the breaking of the seals. All of these are God's wrath unleashed upon an unbelieving world. Tell somebody next to you that is going to happen. It speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, the destruction of the grave and of death and of hell and all of the enemies of Jesus Christ, the great consummation of the age we see daily with clarity its unfolding and clarion call. 
when we read the book of Revelation. When we read it, it, we read about ourselves. We scan the ages and we're looking at the destiny of our souls. It is not something afar off. But the very first words he writes in Revelation 1 after his general writing of uh, just greetings. He first thing he says is behold it is at hand. Behold he's coming with the clouds. I'm preaching to an apostolic church this morning that is in this city seven years old. And it's a powerful church. It's a great church. It's a praising church. It's a praying church. It's a preaching church. It's a soul winning church. It's an evangelizing church. Come on, somebody. It's a worshiping church. Hallelujah. But I want to remind you Jesus is coming again. It is a theme in the text of the book of Revelation. It is the heart and the substance of all of its visions. Of the four visions, the first vision declares the Lord is coming for his promised church. The second vision declares the Lord is coming with a great climax of judgments and wrath from heaven upon the earth. The third vision declares the Lord is seen coming with catastrophic conclusion and conflict with Satan. Fourth vision is the Lord is coming, introducing a new heaven and a new earth and a new order under God. Behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye shall see him. Touch somebody and tell him you're going to see him. This is the sublime and exalted and constantly reoccurring theme from the entire Word of God. Genesis 3.15 in the Garden of Eden, the prophetic Word of God is announced, the seed of woman will bruise the serpent's head. He was saying, amen, after Satan had deceived Adam and Eve, he made a profound prophetic word by saying the seed of this woman will come and bruise the serpent's head. What was he saying? Jesus is coming. Tell somebody, Jesus is coming. The types of the Old Testament are prefigurations of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 27 and 37, it declares, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man. What were they doing in Noah's day? Marrying and giving in marriage. and Building barns and bigger barns. They were preparing for big life. And they were full of immorality. And, and until finally God said, Noah, you got to get in the ark. Moses, hey man, I'm going I'm to move you out. Noah, I want you in this ark. He was building it for many, many years until finally with just a few days before his coming, he said, Noah, get in the ark. And after years of building the ark and preparing the ark, preaching to people, Jesus, that God is coming. He's coming. You better get ready. Judgment's coming. When he got done preaching, only eight souls out of the entire world got in the boat. And when the rain quit raining, Everybody else was gone except for eight souls. Eight is a number of new beginning. I'm preaching to a church 
that's entering your eighth year. Not in my notes, but I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost as I feel it. Eight is a number of new beginnings. You're talking about it's an open door. I'm telling you, amen, this is a new beginning. We're going through another cycle. You've been through the first seven cycles, the first dimension of God. Now you're going into the second dimension of God, into the next seven. What are you saying? Amen, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Now, until he comes, we're going to have outpouring. There's going to be people repenting, people getting baptized, people getting the Holy Ghost. You might as well get ready for it. It's going to happen everywhere, all over the world, all over the nation. It's going to happen. But suddenly, there will be a sound from heaven like the voice of an archangel and the trump of God will sound. And those that have been born again will be changed. Tell somebody it's going to be quick. How quick is it going to be? The count of three, I want everybody to blink your eyes, all right? Ready? One, two, three. That's how quick. It's going to be one step. It's going to be Halle here, and the next foot down will be Luya over there. Some of you didn't hear me. It's going to be Halle here. And it's going to be Luya there. I'm preaching to folks today. You might as well get ready for it. You're in the eighth year of your existence as this church in this city at this piece of property. But I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, amen, while we're reaching souls, while we're praying people through, there's going to be suddenly, tell somebody suddenly, there's going to be the sound of a trumpet. Amen. And we're going to be caught up, caught up while we're shouting, caught up while we're living for God, caught up while you're paying your tithes, caught up while you're teaching a Bible study. Caught up while you're worshiping. We're going to be caught up. Luke 17, 28 says, Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. And the same day, everybody say the same day, that Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in that day when the Son of Man is revealed. One out of every 20 verses of the New Testament concerns the second coming of the Lord. One out of every 20 verses in the New Testament are speaking of, talking about, or referring to the second coming of the Lord. And I feel a holy Hush coming on us. Luke 19 declares, he is the nobleman that went forth into a fire country to receive the kingdom for them. He tells his servants, occupy till I come. Tell somebody he's coming. John 14, verses 1 through 3, I'll give you a short version. It says, let not your heart be troubled. If I go away, I shall come again and receive you unto myself. Tell somebody he's already been here once and he left. And he said, if he leaves, he's coming back. Tell somebody he left. Amen. But he's coming back. Who's he coming back for? He's coming back for you. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for me. He's coming back for Bishop. Bishop's wife. Bishop's kids. Ushers. Come on, somebody. Jesus is coming back for everybody. The question is, will you be ready? Apostles preached about it in 1 Corinthians 15 and 50. We shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet 
shall sound. Tell somebody the trumpet's going to sound. Philippians 3 and 20, our citizenship is in heaven. The total subject matter of the book of Thessalonican letters, both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, is the discussion of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus says 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 and 28 says, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Ask, him, ask somebody next to you, are you looking for him? Come on, look at, look at somebody back in the corner. Tell them, are you looking for him? Turn around and look at somebody and say, are you looking for him? Are you looking for him? Are you, now, if the Lord tarries 10 more years, amen, I believe it'll be an absolute miracle. I mean, it'll be nothing but the grace of God. You say, why? Well, it's just popped back in my head. How many of you know what happened in 2018 before the pandemic? Has anybody got an idea? 2018, anybody understand what happened? It was prophetic. It was in the scriptures. It, it affected the second coming of the Lord. Does anybody know what it was? Every preacher I've talked to doesn't have a clue. The Lord prophetically said, when the fig tree blossoms, then shall the end be. Speaking of Israel as a nation, they became a nation in 1948. A generation is 70 to 75 years. 2018 was the 70th year of Israel as a nation existing. I followed two websites, Israeli websites at the time, and I followed them all year long, Pastor. They were doing this all year long. They were in circles. They were dancing, swinging each other. I mean, every day, day or night, there was different groups. They showed pictures of them. They, they danced the entire year. Why? Because it was their 70th birthday as a nation. I'm telling this church and I'm announcing to you, behold, he's coming. He's coming in the clouds in an hour that you think not. Amen. Hebrews 9, 28, look for him for he will appear again without sin unto salvation. Jude declares that he will come with 10,000 of his saints. It is an immutable truth of God predicted by the prophets and promised by the Lord Jesus Christ. Confirmed by the testimony of the angels. It was preached by the apostles and it was believed by the early church. You take out the promise of the second coming from the word of God and you have nothing left but a mutilated fragment and a maimed relic. If you take out the subject of the second coming of the Lord, there's nothing but a mutilated fragment left. There is no Christianity apart from the exalted hope of we shall see him in the clouds. Amen. God didn't only deliver you to get you off of drugs. And everybody that's been delivered off of drugs, shout amen. Everybody that's been delivered off of alcohol, say amen. Everybody was delivered from pornography, say amen. Everybody that was delivered from sin, say amen. But that's not only reason he did it. He did it because he wants to take you out of here. Amen to the holy city. Come on, somebody. Jesus saved us to take us out of here. Amen. You put your thumb out. Put Everybody stick your thumb out. And we'll let that be time when God said, let there be light. When God said, let there be light, time started ticking. 
and it's ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking. But there's coming a moment when he said, time shall be no more. Stick your first finger out. Now, stick it out level and just make as wide a gap or as little gap as you want. I say make a little gap just to make this a little bit more extent, more powerful. And imagine, left of this is eternity. Right of it is eternity. But in eternity, he said, let there be light. Time started ticking. Why? Because the angels, they just, all they would do is say, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. He's. That's what they did when he created them. It's what they're doing now. And it's what they'll be doing after, after the rapture. The angels continually cry of God, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. But God had a thought. I wonder what it would be like to have something into my image. In my likeness that had a choice. They could look at me, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. The God that's everywhere. He's all powerful and he knows everything about everything. I wonder what it would be like to have somebody in my image, my likeness, the stamp of me, the image of me. And give them the ability and the okay to look at me and say... But the person next to him say, God loved the thought of that so much. He said, let there be light. Boom, the sun. Darkness began to disappear. Light shined in darkness. And darkness comprehended it not. This church is full of people that came to God living in darkness. But the first time one of you witnessed to somebody or you handed them a flyer and you said, we'd love to have you come to church with us. God's got something. As soon as you said that, boom, light started to shine into them. In their dark world. In their suicide thoughts. In their I'm going to end it all thoughts. God began to shine light. But there's coming a moment when God will say, time shall be no more. Now, in the spaces of eternity. Eternity is no beginning and no ending. God has always been, will always be. He has no beginning. God is before everything. But in the midst of all this everywhere, all the time, God, he said, let there be light. Bam. So what I'm saying is, is in this space, God puts a little time in it. And he puts man in it. Seven or eight thousand years. Somebody says a million years. Somebody says ten million. Whatever you want to say. But in the space of an eternity with no beginning and no ending, it's like, just like that. God is on the brink of sounding the trumpet. And the church is going to be taken out of here. There will be seven years of trouble, pain, tribulation, vials, seals, wrath of God will be poured out on this world. God will not be in this atmosphere anymore. Touch somebody and say, you don't want to be here then. Do you understand the peace of God will be gone? The presence of God that the whole world enjoys and most of them don't even know why they're enjoying it. God, when he comes to get his church, he's going to take his church out. And when he takes his church out, he is leaving this whole atmosphere. There will be nothing but vengeance and wrath, killing and terror like you have never seen before. Why? Because God will no longer be on this planet. He will no longer be in this sphere. Tribulation is coming. Wrath. So what began in Genesis finds its conclusion in the book of Revelation. 
In Genesis, we find the creation of the heavens and the earth. But in Revelation, it speaks of a new heaven and new earth. In Genesis, we read of a paradise that's lost. But in Revelation, paradise is restored. In Genesis, a tree of life and man is driven away from it. But in Revelation, there's a tree of life and man is invited to it. In Genesis, man is introduced to Satan. But in Revelation, he appears the last and final time in ultimate certain doom and judgment. Genesis, the entrance of sin, sorrow, toil, and heartache and pain. But in Revelation, there shall be no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Anybody got pain in your body right now? Lift your hand. Come on, lift your hand if you got a little pain. I got a pain in my body. He always hits me right in the middle of my back. Muscle tightens up. But there will be a moment, amen, when there will be no more pain. Pain's gonna leave my body. Now, it could happen today. God could heal me. God could heal you. Pain could be gone. But if not, I know this pain's gonna leave this body. When the trumpet sounds, amen, and I leave this ground, pain shall be gone. Genesis is a story of man's vast disobedience, the building of the Tower of Babel of Babylon. Revelation tells us of the destruction of Babylon, the harlot church, and the world system that it represents. It will be destroyed in one hour. God said, I'm going to destroy Babylon, which we know now as the harlot church, and the system that it represents. And it's just going to take God one hour. He's not just going to kill it. He's going to destroy it. Genesis, the first Adam in his dominion over all things that God made. But in Revelation, there's a, a new revelation of the second man, Adam. Everybody say Jesus Christ. And his dominion over all things on heaven and earth. Genesis is the first woman, the first bride, and how she is his helpmeet. But in Revelation, there's a bride, the church of Jesus Christ, and how she will share with him in great, exalted, and eternal glory. Without the book of Revelation and the personal coming of the Lord Jesus Christ appearing in the clouds, the Bible is a fragment, maimed and crippled. But what began in Genesis comes full circle in God's elective process and purpose. In Revelation, there's an apocalypse. Behold, he's coming with the clouds. In Greek, in Greek language, it is pronounced edu erecti metantoneptalon. In Latin, it is is vent conubius. In German, it is ir comp ment den wolken. In any language, it's a sublime and startling statement. It is a cry of the Spirit of God. Come see, look in the clouds. It is he, the one that left in like manner. He's coming again. Look in the clouds. To Israel, the clouds represented the burning visible fire at night, the pillar of cloud by day. It was God in the cloud. Solomon's temple, the Shekinah glory cloud appeared. And when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, it was not comparable to this in our text. Mount Carmel, when the fire fell and licked up the fire, the sacrifice, and it was no comparison to this. Matthew 24, he's coming in the clouds with power and with great glory. Matthew 26 and 62, nevertheless, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds. I remember as a kid, I'd, we didn't have all the stuff you got now, the games and the video equipment and all this craziness going on now. I mean, we just, we could play ball, which I did. 15 years of that baseball. Time I was four years old till I was 16. 
used to jump 32 inches off the ground. Let me say used to was the key of that statement. Now I get three and a half inches and when I land it, it shakes me all the way up my back. I used to could. I used to could. I get done playing ball, football in the backyard in the backfield with some of us. We play softball back there. It'd be five on three. Man, it was great. Cover the whole field. We want to divide it in half. No, we're not playing half. We're going to cover it. The goal is to keep from scoring the pl- across the plate, not, not getting a hit. You can get a hit, but you've got to get across home plate before I get the ball and get it in. And we had a lot of fun. But I'd get done. I'd fall down on the ground and take a breath. And I lived in Oklahoma, Tornado Alley. And I'd look at the clouds and I'd see bears and lions' heads people's heads and see a tie as my guy looks like a tie and every now and then I'd be laying down looking at the clouds and I'd see a great wall of clouds and it looked like looking at this balcony and it hit me he's coming in the clouds and I'd set up a couple of times I started crying because I didn't have the Holy Ghost I say oh God I'd never seen a set of clouds I'd never seen an anthem place like that said balcony you could come. I get one time. Did it one time, and I ran home about three blocks. I mean, I ran. I used to could really run. Now I just think about running. Amen. I'd run home. I got home one day, man, from school, and front doors open. That was very unusual. Doors never open. I walk in the door. I said, Mom, I'm home. Mom, I'm home. Mom, I'm home. Mom. Walked into the kitchen. Water was running. She never did it. In fact, I got almost got whipped for leaving the water running. And she just didn't leave water running the faucet. So I knew something was wrong. The garage door was open. I ran in the garage. Mom! Mom, I'm home! Ran out in the backyard to the garden. Mom! Looked through the corn. Looked, I looked around. She wasn't there. And I got real desperate. Ran back in the door. Looked over the sliding glass. Opened the curtains. Pulled. Never pulled. I opened the, Ran in the glass. Through the glass. Not through the glass. But through the glass door. You know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't run through the glass. <laughs> that make me nervous. <laughs> Amen. Ran through there. Mom! Run in her bedroom. Not there. I ran upstairs screaming. We had an attic up. We had a lot of stuff we put in the attic. I ran through. Opened the closet. Opened the attic door. Mom! Ran down the stairs. I mean, I am freaking out. Mom! Oh, God, Jesus came. Jesus come, Mom! Ran next door to David and Ray, beating on the door. Dave, open the door. Miss Murray, open the door. Jesus come. They opened the door. What? What are you screaming? I said, Jesus come. What do you mean? I said, he's come. Mom's not here. The house was open. The water was running in the sink. Amen, Mom. Did Jesus come? I ran next door to Barbara. Terry's opened the door, Barbara. Greg, what's wrong? I said, Jesus come. She was a backslider. She knew exactly what I was talking about. Her mother would show up 82 years old once a summer and be there for two or three months. We'd take her every Sunday to church with us, but Barbara, and then we'd never come at that morning. When I said, Jesus, come. Mom's gone. I walked in the door. The door was open, and the water was running, and the back door was open. I said, Mom, not here. I said, oh, God, Mom, come out. I fell in the ground. Barbara starts saying, no, Greg, no. About that time I heard Mom say, Greg. Fell over on the ground. She said, Mom. Where were you? I don't even remember where she was. I thought Jesus had come, Mom. Can I tell somebody? When he comes, that is exactly the way it's going to be. It will be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye.
and I tell somebody, God came in flesh. Jesus Christ. He was beaten, scourged, spit on, abused, beaten, bruised, and put upon that cross three and a half feet from the ground, his foot, feet hanging. Most people go by paintings of him and they got little platforms out from the cross so he can stand his feet on so he can be comfortable. There was no, no, no platform on the cross. They would nail the feet down on the cross. Nail through the feet. He's up on the cross three and a half feet off the ground. Before they put him up and put it in the ground, they'd nail his feet to the cross. His legs would be bent. They'd pull him up and stretch his left arm out. Drive a nail through the median nerve. That would sever that median nerve, sending fiery pain through his body. Then they'd stretch him across. He'd put his back in an S twist, which would cause ligaments to pop and ribs to pop out. Now his body is in complete pain. Not only that, but before he got on the cross, he was beaten. Roman soldiers beat him. 39 stripes, they beat him down the middle of his back. Amen. One would whip him from his left to his right. The other would beat him from his left right to the left. Down his back, down his buttocks, his thighs to his calves. His backside was nothing but ribbons of trembling flesh as blood poured out of his body. What, was, what blood was it? It was the blood of God. Because when Jesus was born, he was born of a woman. But he was begotten or fathered by God. What does that mean? That means that Adam's blood, the first man Adam, everybody say the blood that I got, was not in him. This was God's blood in the man, Christ Jesus. Now he's hanging on the cross and God's blood Pure, sinless, spotless blood is pouring out of his body. He is now hanging on that cross and he's got his legs bent and his arm and his back's in an S twist and they say he would be drowning <coughs> and he would have to push up <coughs> to get a breath. He would push up but when he pushed up it would pull on the nails in his feet. So <gasps> back down. But now he's pulling on the nails in his hands and his body is filling his chest cavity is filling up with the blood that's bleeding in him from his inside from the beating that he took and it's <gasps> that's why there were so many so few sayings only seven times does he speak while hanging on that cross why why was he doing it he was doing it for me and he was doing it for you that was the price that had to be paid God to shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. Now I'm off my notes, but I'm in the Holy Ghost. Do you know that God shed blood for you? Touch somebody next to you and said, he did that for me. I know this is the first sermon of the year for you, but I could not get away from this. This is what God wanted you to hear. Amen. He shed blood for you. For every guest that's here, he shed blood for you. If you're first time in church, we're thankful. But we've come to tell you God robed himself in flesh and became obedient to the death of the cross. Amen. He was beaten like he was a thief. He was beaten like he was one of the worst criminals of the day. But he hang in there until finally he pushes up for one more breath and he cried out, it is finished. And he gives up the ghost, the spirit of him leaves and he dies. Why did he do that? He did that. 
for you. He did that for me. He did that for your pastor. Your pastor moved me yesterday in the truck telling me a little bit more about his testimony that I didn't know. How did it happen? It was because Jesus hung on a cross and died to save him. He died to save you. He died to save me. Touch somebody and say, he died. Tell somebody, he died to save you. Amen, but not only to save you, he died so that once he saved you, he could take you to heaven with him. Tell somebody, behold, he's coming in the clouds. You are buried with him in baptism when you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus. Why? You're buried with him. That buries because in repentance when you say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I've, whatever I've done, I remember repenting June 27, 1978. It wasn't the first time I repented. The first time I repented was a Sunday night. We had two sections of pews. I was sitting in chair number two on the right-hand side. Kendall was sitting to my left, right. And David Jones was sitting to my left, and Pastor was preaching. He preached 30 minutes. He wasn't like me. I like most of us take a mic and walk all over the place. He stood right there. Oh! Preaching and conviction. Oh my God, Jesus is coming. And he finally he got done. He said, let's stand. Boom, across the church I went over where the, the organ was. And I knelt down that red carpet, shag carpet, buried my face. And I was crying. The only thing I really remember besides repenting and it feeling so great was I kind of came to for a minute. And my face was laying in snot and slobber. And I mean, I was just getting after it. God, forgive me. I just, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell, God. Don't, don't, don't take me to hell, God. And I repented, but June 27, 1978, I was at youth camp, big open air building, put about 3,500 people in the building, slat board pews, and I was sitting outside the tabernacle that first night, and doors was open, and that garage doors open, 150 people sitting in lawn chairs outside the building, and then outside over here, about 400 lawn chairs out there, and people in, and it was, and the preacher got to preaching, and he got, and come over, and he right to the piano, or the piano on this side, and he started leaning across the piano, pointing outside the door, just about here to that door. He was pointing at us and he started, and it was just like the whole place emptied, and I was the only one there. I said, like, Oh my God. Boom, he prayed. He finally gave the altar call. I stepped up and walked inside the tabernacle, stood there a few minutes and prayed, and then left. Came back the next night, and I said, I'm not going to let him get me tonight. I'm not sitting back there. I'm going inside, all the way to the back of the left session, about 60 sets of pews. I'm going all the way to the back, back row. He got to preaching, and he got towards the end. He got over here on the side of the platform preaching and started pointing back at the back. And I'm just like the whole place empty. And I said, oh, my God. He's preaching to me. I came down to the front of the back section and prayed a few minutes and left. Came back the next night. And I said, I'm, I ain't sitting back on there. I came over here and I sat on the front row of the back section on the right side. He got to preaching about the last two minutes. He got in. And, he got, and I'm telling you before God, he preached the last two minutes. And he just kept pointing and pointing and pointing and pointing, pointing. Like, oh, my God. God, he gave the altar call. I came up about halfway. I had my, my basketball uniform in my in my suitcase. I was supposed to go to the basketball game Thursday night, summer league for the high school. And I was going to go to Mustang right where the camp was, just go play ball and sleep back in. And so, oh, God, I got the next day. And I said, ah, they don't need me tonight. I'm not going to go. So Friday night, I went outside. Went outside. And on this side where all the chairs were, to the very back, about 300, 400 seats out there in lawn chairs. And I had an old chair from Sunday school and set it on the back side of the hill. So when I was standing, he could see about that much of me. When I was sitting, he couldn't even see me. 
preaching, preaching, preaching. He got long and got over here by the organ. And he started preaching outside that door, just preaching and preaching. And when he, he was about 15 minutes into his sermon, he was preaching. I said, oh, my God, I can't do it. I started walking through those chairs. And as I got close, I started running. I remember Brother Deal, former superintendent, was sitting there. He pulled his chair out of the way, and I darted through, screaming. People started running to the altar. When that night finished, God had filled me with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> June 27th, 1978, Sunday morning, there to get baptized. Gilbert Davis got the Holy Ghost same night. He's a year older than me, six foot six. I was five foot six. He's six six, five foot. Big guy, little bit, he's a chumpy kid. And he baptized me. And I stand up there top of the tank and I got to look and it was light blue down to the top of the water. And then from the bottom of the water down, Pastor, the tank was rusty brown. And I see him, I started crying. I said, oh my God. And this is what I thought. Look what the sins have done to this tank. I, did, I didn't know the water had rusted the old metal tank. I, I didn't know nothing about water and rust. 16 was dumb as a cucumber. I mean, I didn't know nothing. And I'm like, oh my God, look what the sins have done to this tank. Oh, I'm standing there crying. Gilbert gets out and and I looked down in the tank and he'd come up that ladder and kind of wobble. And I looked down this old ratty ladder down in there. And I thought, who in the name of this stupid ladder? ain't going to break somebody's neck. So I just jumped down in. <laughs> and I made my mind up. I'm keeping my eyes open when I go in the water. I want to see what happens when these sins leave my body. I want to see what damages this tank. And I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And because God has already filled you with the Holy Ghost, he said, in Jesus' name, I'm like, <gasps> he put me down that Gilbert Davis, he went, <laughs> when he put me down, it was, <laughs> he kind of kept me under there, two or three, four or five, felt like 15 seconds, but I don't know. <laughs> Make sure all the sins got washed out, I guess, but I'm down there. I had no problem. I swam at the pool. I could swim that back wall, back up here, underwater, no problem. Just, it was cool. I was holding my breath. Didn't see anything. But when he pulled me up out of that water, it was like three million pounds. I felt so light. You see what happened? Tell somebody he was born again. Tell somebody he was born again. I'm preaching to somebody today. He could come today. He could come by the time I get done preaching, which is just going to be about five more minutes. He could be done before we get back to church tonight. He might tarry three years, five years, ten. It might be ten years, but I've come to tell you this might be your last service, and I want to tell you you must be born again of the water and the Spirit if you want to see the kingdom, and more importantly, if you want to enter into the kingdom. Stand with me. Matthew 24, verse 3, Jesus said, He said, On the Mount of Olives, disciples came with Him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of Thy coming and of the end of the world? This was the disciples asked Him. Here was Jesus' answer. He said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Maybe I need to preach this message in a series. Too much for one service. The first sign of the soon coming of the Lord 
is man will try to deceive you. The word deceive is plano in the Greek. It means to roam, to wander, to lead from the right way, to lead into error. Many shall come in. My name is I am Christ. I'm the church. This is the church. But they shall deceive many. To be led into error. He shall bear hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. It just hits me. Earthquakes. Got an app called Quick Quake Feed. You know how many earthquakes have happened this month? As of today, right now. 1,368 earthquakes of 3.0 or larger. Timor-Leste, Las Palos, Indonesia, Maria. Island, Macquarie, California, Petrolia, California, Fiji, Las Cruz de Loreta, Mexico, Sandwich Islands, Nazi, Japan, Hira, Japan, Haifio, Tongo, the South Sandwich Islands, Port Allsworth, Alaska, 5.9. Last week, there have been 185 earthquakes today. You know how many earthquakes have been recorded already today? 3.0 or greater 20 20 have already happened today it's happened I've done this for 8 or 9 years I've had this app and every 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 Sunday when I do 30 days it's 1200 or up to 1600 earthquakes it's constant constant shaking of this planet Jesus said earthquakes will be a sign nations shall rise against nation What's Russia doing? They're moving south. We know that, which is scriptural. Moving against Israel. Everybody's bad talking Israel. Cussing Israel. Hating Israel. China's got its own gear up because 200 million man army, the Bible says, is going to come from the east down against Israel. There's a reason China has reached its power now. There's a reason Putin has stayed president or chief commander of Russia. Why? Because the Bible says it's going to be one of the signs. Another sign is many will be offended. It means entrapped, trip up to block the way to distant one from someone you ought to trust. And they shall betray one another to deliver treacherously, to lead people into hazard or into punishment. Why would they do that? Show you will hate one another. Detest loneliness. You will, you will be a person of hatred. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The word wax cold means is psycho in the Greek. P-S-Y-C-H-O. It means to grow cold. To be waning away from love. Now, this, 
I didn't even think about it. Looking at how many people were shot. It was on a website. I think it was Chicago. Broke all of its records. People been shot in the last 30 days. And there's just craziness going on. Our country's flipping out, losing its mind. We don't want the policemen. And we don't need bad policemen. I don't mean to get out of here, but, but we don't need bad policemen. We don't need bad anybody. But amen. When you get rid of the rule of law, chaos. And just in this last year and a half, this nation has been consumed with absolute chaos. Tell somebody next to you, Jesus is coming. Now, I've let all the hype out of it. I've stopped screaming and hollering because I just want to tell you the only way out of this mess is Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. The word quicken is zupeo, which means to vitalize, to make alive, to give life, to cause, to live, to arouse, to invigorate your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So as you take somebody's hand next to you, on this first Sunday service of 2022, take somebody by the hand next to you. That person, do they have the Holy Ghost? Are they filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you a saint? You become lukewarm? I was in a church recently. A couple of families came back, and the pastor was crying. He almost said, Bishop, you all right? He said, yeah. He said, but he said, you don't understand, Greg. He said, that's the first time they've been back since the beginning of 2020. He said, they didn't cry. They didn't clap their hands. They didn't come to the altar. They didn't. He said, I'm so worried. I'm, I'm, we've made it through the pandemic. It's craziness. But he's coming. I know this isn't the first message you preach at a place where nobody knows you anymore. They know a frog in the pond. I understand. But I know what the Holy Ghost told me. And so I'm preaching to you. Are you ready? Because prophetically, there's nothing left in God's Word that has to come to pass before He can come again. My pastor preached through the 70s and 80s. He was traveling around preaching prophecy. When they first got the computers, I mean, he was talking about the computer that was in one of the big buildings in New York. And I think it took up six or seven floors of the big building it was in to house one computer. Ark of the Beast, it's coming, it's coming. Man, I mean, I remember 1979, 1980, when it was New Year's Eve. Man, we got home about 11.15. I got upstairs to bed. People were praying and Testifying, we can't go to 1980. There's no way God's got to come. I was in bed just trembling. Oh God, fireworks was going off. I could see them out my windows, and I waited and waited. The fireworks quit popping. I was laying there. I didn't hear a trumpet, and I went to sleep. But see now, some, most most of y'all weren't even alive then. But now, 2022. 19, 20, 21, 22. Four years past Israel's 70th birthday. That was the last prophecy that had to come to pass before the coming of the Lord. There is no prophecy, as far as I understand, in Scripture that has to come to pass before Jesus comes. The only one that might be 
is the gospel has to be preached to every nation. So that's why we shout over Haiti. And we rejoice over Haiti getting the gospel. And we rejoice over, where was it in Africa? Uganda, Africa. And the people getting the Lord just like, God, thank you. As far as I understand, at United Pentecost Church and the records they have for, for missionaries, we've got missionaries in every country except four that we quote unquote know of. A couple of them have underground unnamed missionaries that we have no record of. So at the most, two countries left. They just need someone there preaching. And they could be there already because United Pentecost Church... I mean, it's just a little organization. WPF, little organization. ALJC, little. We don't know everything. The question is, is today's message in those countries? China or Iraq. I know we've got one man. I was telling Pastor about him. Brother Morgan is uh, bishop to the man. He's an underground missionary in China. They have over one million one God, Jesus name, apostolics in their church underground. Over one million. I know I've been long. I'm asking you. If Jesus comes today, are you ready? To be ready at a minimum, you must repent. You must ask God to forgive you of all your sins. Then you must be water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission, the washing away, the blotting out of your sins. From what? From the Lamb's book of life where everything we've ever done is written down except from June 29th, 20, uh, 1978 when I got baptized. Everything from that point backward is gone. It's like a clear sheet of paper. If you're baptized in Jesus' name, God will forget that you were ever a sinner. He'll forget everything you stole, everything you lied on, everything you cheated. He'll forget all the immorality. He'll forget it all. Tell somebody he'll forget it all. He'll wash it all away. Tell somebody he'll wash it all away. And then he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's his spirit will come inside. You'll begin to speak in a heavenly language. You'll begin to speak words you don't understand. That's the sign that God has made your body his house. That Friday night at that camp while I was praying, I was so scared. I mean, I was petrified. I don't know why. Preacher, I stopped praying and got down on the altar. And Brother Roberts from Norman, Oklahoma, he said, Brother Greg, are you afraid? I'm like, duh. That's what I thought. I didn't say it. I was like, don't you want the Holy Ghost, Greg? I'm like, yes. I got people screaming in this ear. One thing, another ear. They're saying, let go. And this they're saying, turn loose and hold on and repent. And just give him praise. And the spit, I mean, and, you know, people praying. It was, it was horrible. I was reaching, reaching. He said, Brother Greg, I believe if you'll get back up and lift your hands, the first words out of your mouth, you'll be speaking in tongues. I said, do you believe that, Brother Robert? He said, I do. I said, so do I. And I stood up, threw my hands up, and I remember thinking, Praise the Lord, but I heard something else coming out. Praise the Lord. I kept trying to say praise the Lord, but it was, other, and it dawned on me about the third time you're speaking in other tongues, and I began to hear myself. 
sounds were coming out. I couldn't understand what was it. It was the proof God was in me. Squeeze somebody's hand and say, God is in me. Amen. Now I'm done. So everybody can stand for sure now. I'm sorry. I'm asking you. Jesus said, you must be born again of the water end of the Spirit. Or you cannot enter. And you cannot see the kingdom. So on this first Sunday of the year, I'm asking everybody that will lift your hands. You'll make your way down to this altar. Come in as close as you can. Everybody, they're going to sing something. And everybody, I want you to pray. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. Just lift your hands begin to say, God, forgive me of my sins. Everything I've done against your word, I don't even know what it is, God, but if it's been against it, forgive me. I don't want to disappoint you. Come on, come down to the altar. Just lift your hands and say, God, forgive me. I want you to forgive me, Jesus. Come on, forgive me. Come on, church. That's it, young men, young women. Come on, come on, ladies. Come on, guests. Come on, saints, come on, come in. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Lift your hands and tell him, forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands, somebody. Come on, lift your hands, lift both those hands. Don't be ashamed of him. Lift your hands up and say, God, I love you. I don't understand all this stuff, but I love you. And I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to go with you if you come tonight or if you don't come for 15 more years. I want to be ready. Tell him I want to be ready, Jesus. Come on, saints, find somebody to pray with. Find somebody around you to pray with. Come on. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? Comes in the name of Jesus. That's it. Forgive me. When Jesus comes, will you be ready when Jesus? Lord, Come on, the Holy Ghost is flowing. Come on, let the Holy Ghost speak through you. Come on, that's it. Yes, 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 yes. sorry. Ask him for forgiveness. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me, Jesus. That's it. Come on, lift your head back. Lift your head up to the ceiling. Open your mouth. Let the Holy Ghost speak. That's it, open, open, that's it, open, 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 open. That's it, let the Holy Ghost flow. That's it, come on. That's it, mama, let him feel you. 
That's it. Let him feel you. Come on, I want to be ready. I want to tell you, Bobo Shonda Yolaboya. Kida da la boya tabashaya. Kuri diya boya tabashaya. Come on, let him feel you. Feel me, Jesus. Feel me, Jesus. Feel me, Jesus. Open your mouth, let the Holy Ghost come. That's it. Come on, let the Holy Ghost come. There goes another one. There goes another one. Come on, get ready. He's coming. Refill him, Jesus. Refill him, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I give you my life. I give you everything I have, Jesus. That's it. Come on, love him. I want to be ready when he comes. Fill me with the Holy Ghost, Jesus. That's it. Come on, young people. Come on, folks. Come on, the Holy Ghost is coming. Come on, the Holy Ghost is coming. Refill him, Lord. Touch my friend, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Touch her, Jesus. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on, praise him. Lift those hands and praise him.